Howdy, folks. I'm your host, Willie B. Thank you for tuning in to the fourth episode of the Unreal Country Podcast. My guest today is Nicholas Mudd. Nick released one full-length, self-titled LP in 2019, and he released one single last spring. If you're still listening to me after these first few episodes, then it's safe to say that you'll really dig all of his music. In this episode, we talk about his musical roots, some of the best bars and venues, the greatest festival lineup of modern times, and he even plays us a new song titled Livin' and Dyin'. I'm looking forward to the release of his upcoming EP, which he is currently working on in the studio. You can support Nicholas by heading to his website and purchasing his merch. But he requests that anyone listening should head over to the Foundation for Appalachian Kentucky and give a donation to support those affected by the historic flooding in eastern Kentucky. I'll leave links to these in the description, as well as my bio on all social media platforms. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to like, follow, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on all social media platforms at Unreal Country. I'm going to start things off here with Nick's 2020 single titled Heartache Express. Down the line, making forty miles. 
great. Hello. I'm on with Nicholas Mudd. Nicholas, how are you doing today, man? I'm all right. It's been a kind of a slow Thursday here in Echo Park. Give your give your elevator pitch or your your intro about yourself for anybody who may have never heard of you. All right. Well, uh, my name is Nicholas Mudd. I'm a country singer and songwriter. I'm from uh, Versailles, Kentucky, outside of Lexington, Woodford County. And I'm based in Los Angeles now. I've been in California for about 10 years. Um, we play, I play, my band plays, I guess, like somewhere between the uh, I call it like California country, but it's a draw from the traditional bluegrass and folk music of where I'm from and also the a little bit of Bakersfield sound out here. So it's some, somewhere in between those, I guess. What what took you out west? Why'd you move out, out to California? I heard there was gold. <laughs> no, I, uh, I work in uh, my day job. I work in film out here. Hmm. What kind of film? Like, how big are we talking? Uh, I've worked on some pretty big stuff. I mean, I did. Uh, I worked on uh, until a few years ago. I was working on the Marvel, the Marvel thing. So I, I, I worked on every one of those from Guardians of the Galaxy through Black Panther. <laughs> and uh, right now, I'm working on a Netflix, a Netflix series called Hentified. It's a. Uh, it takes place here in Los Angeles, and it's about uh, this uh, Mexican American family trying to hang on to their taco shop amidst all the gentrification. I was not expecting that. What do you What do you do? Yeah, like what What's your What's your role? I'm I'm a teamster. I'm I'm casting. All right, huh? A lot of a lot of people out here work in uh, in the film industry. Yeah, it's it's. it's one of the biggest industries out here in Southern California. So a lot of people, whether they're caterers or whatever, uh, camera people or gaffers or drivers, like a lot of the jobs out here are in, are in the film business. Yeah. Huh. Um, you put out, you put out your self-titled record there a couple years ago. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the process of, like leading up to releasing that and what what your motivation was and I don't know where you recorded it and all that kind of stuff. Well, I recorded it at, at Bedrock LA here in Echo Park in Los Angeles, which is, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the Los Angeles country music scene, but there's there's a thing out here called the, the Grand Ole Echo, which is obviously a play on the Grand Ole Opera and it's a, in the summers, every Sunday, there's a there's a country show at uh, this place called the Echo Theater, and the the guys who run that also manage um, a, a recording studio and rehearsal space here called Bedrock, and we did uh, we did that record there in I guess we recorded 2018 and then released it spring 2019. And the process, I guess, that was that was the first real record I recorded. So the process was not as cohesive as it would be if I did as I, if as if I did something now. And actually, I am recording some stuff right now, but that is for further on in the conversation. I think um, it was. I, I wanted to record a record. I had a bunch of songs that I'd written. And so we just did it. So it's it's really a collection of songs that we recorded together. It's not really an album in the sense that they don't really, the songs don't really have much or anything to do with each other, you know? Yeah. Uh, so did you sit down? Like, was it not one session then? Was it just like a comp compilation of separate sessions? Yeah, we recorded... I mean, I don't remember exactly, but we recorded probably over six months at least because um, for, se for several reasons. We, uh, we laid down the, the foundations all live in one session. So we did like the, 
the bass and the rhythm section, the bass and the drums and the acoustic guitar and some scratch vocals. We did all that live with everybody in the studio. And then we layered a bit on top of that. So after we had that, the, the rhythm foundation down, I went back and did the vocals over it. And then we tracked the lead instruments over that. So we did the, the fiddle and the pedal steel and stuff uh, over the live recordings of the basic instruments. And it, it took a while because I was also doing it on a real budget because I didn't, I don't have a lot of money to throw at recording and I don't have a, a label or like any, you know, yeah. anybody financing recording. So recording, it can be very expensive. And if you don't have a lot of money, it can be hard to do. So luckily uh, uh, a good friend of mine, his name's Eric Reniker. He is uh, the, the uh, recording manager at Bedrock and he uh he i can't say too much because he'll get mad at me but we we were able we were able to work out a system where it wasn't prohibitively expensive and we could kind of come in whenever he had time available and and we did it a bit at a time like yeah um tell me a little bit about that single you put out last year heartache express yes sir uh well what do you want to know about it's um it's a classic country train song i guess yeah it's very rooted in california geography and tradition uh there's we had a there's a lot of little bakersfield licks in there on the pedal steel and yeah buddy matt uh matt penn played on that he's uh He's in Nicky Lane's band, and he's played with with Dwight and Miley Cyrus, and all sorts. He's a real player. He's a yeah. great steel player, great guy. Uh, so it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a uh, story of a a heartache rolling the rolling into town. You know, the train the train's just the visual. It's a it's an allegory, I guess. It's. Uh, a heartache that you know is coming and it's on its way and there's nothing that's going to stop it and you're just waiting for it to arrive and then it gets there and you can How... see it coming and there's no nothing you can do about it obviously this last year has been fucking different um how how has that affected you with um your music or your work life or anything how how has the pandemic affected you well musically i've been writing a lot of real depressing songs <laughs> not i mean not all of it yeah here and there i've got a i've got a couple of pandemic songs i guess you could say uh but for a while i wasn't really I, i've had a hard time writing and I, I, for a while in the beginning i wasn't really picking up a guitar very much and I wasn't really trying to write anything because there, there's just not a lot of inspiration to be found in the world that that we've been living in the last year. Uh, but then, I don't know, maybe halfway through or a few months ago, I started playing again and started learning stuff and trying to write stuff, uh, learning other people's songs and then see how this like spend a week learning a song. like. After Tony Rice died, I sat down and learned some old Norman Blake stuff like Church Street Blues, things like that. Cause it was just on my mind at the time. So I just like pick up something that's difficult to play and spend a few days or a week learning it. Yeah. Uh, and then sort of gotten back into a little rhythm of, of writing things. And it's, it's hard cause there's not, I'm not really out in the world much. You're not really doing things, you know, not really stimulating my brain or my creative tendencies that much because I've been at home a lot and yeah but we're coming out of it we're coming out of it i'm coming out of it and the world is coming out of it and i'm starting to feel better about things in terms of work life that was that was really difficult um i didn't work for a long time because the my entire industry was just completely shut down from the end of February through, I mean, August, September. And I was, 
I was freelancing, doing some stuff, and then I was on tour. I was touring through Kentucky and Tennessee when this all started. Uh, actually, I played my, my very last show exactly a year ago yesterday. Um, I had played in Lexington and then Louisville, and then I went to Nashville, and I played two nights. I played at uh, Dee's Lounge Saturday or, Saturday or Sunday, and then... Uh, the Cobra in Nashville the the next night, and then the day after I, I canceled everything and flew home because they were everybody was locking down everywhere. Yeah, it happened pretty quick. It happened real quick. I, I played those two sh shows in Nashville and then uh, canceled everything and flew home, and it's that was a year ago yesterday. Hmm. Huh. Um. How many how many shows did you have lined up like that you were looking forward to that you had to cancel at that point? Just just one or two. It was uh, it was a pretty short run. Yeah. Um with things being the way they are, um have you been able to get out there and play anything? Like what are the restrictions like in California right now? I I, I haven't played in front of other people since a year ago. Yeah, I did one uh, like Facebook and Instagram streaming thing, but it's it's not really the same, and it's not that much fun, and people don't people don't really tune in for those. I've found like people have been doing all the streaming stuff the whole time, but it's 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 a poor excuse, uh, not excuse. It's a poor substitute for playing live in front of real people, and it's just I don't know. It's not rewarding for me. Yeah, I have a tough time with them. It took me until like this year, probably January, to even tune into one of those because it's it fucking sucks. For a guy who loves going out and dancing and going out and like watching live shows and like being in the room, it's just not the same sitting sitting behind a screen watching a fella. But I mean half or more of the experience of watching live music is being there and seeing it live. And it's just, you, you don't get that from a screen. Yeah. I'll tune in when my friends are playing or like I watched last night, the, the, uh, Appalachians for Appalachia fundraiser that they did last night. I watched that. Yeah. A few things here, a few things here and there that are either people I know or people that are things that I care about. But for the most part, I haven't really been <laughs> participating in the live streaming. What's, what's the, uh, state of things down there like how how close are you to getting a vaccine or how how close is it in california to um kind of improving i think we're close i think i think we're pretty close um i may be able to get that for myself within the next few weeks here hmm. um which i'm looking forward to it's another step towards normalcy uh but <sighs> Things are getting better here. It was it was very bad here for for quite a while. We had a really terrible terrible surge of COVID in Los Angeles that just killed a lot of people and completely crippled our economy and our just you know our entire way of life. Which I mean, obviously, it's done that everywhere in the country and everywhere in the world. But um, the same way that New York got hit early on, we got hit here later on yeah but we're coming out of it now like cases are going down and they're continuing to go down and places are starting to open back up and even with restaurants and and gyms and everything being open uh the the infection rates are still going down which is promising so i think i think by the summer the end of the spring or the early summer i, I think that i think that live in-person music is going to be back on the on the menu yeah um, would it still be too early for you to even consider starting to look at booking something for the summer or the fall? Have you, have you done that yet? Or I don't think so. I have not done that, but I would consider it. I mean, I, I would, I would can consider booking things like June, July. Yeah. Um, how many shows do you typically play per year in like a normal year? Uh, I probably play live like 
if I'm working full time, because because where I'm at right now, I can't I can't support myself playing music. So yeah, if I'm working if I'm working full time, then I'll probably play like once or twice a month locally here. If we, I mean, we might do it every now and then. I'll do a little run of shows and do like four or five or six in a week or something. Like we'll run up like through Bakersfield and fresno and up to north fork and maybe do like santa barbara or ventura and then come back down to la and play somewhere here yeah i'd say conservatively like one once twice a month we'll play out live somewhere within the southern california area how long have you been playing music because obviously you have a real like career like an actual job as well um and you put out put out that record in 2019 like what's your what's your musical journey been? Well, I mean, I've been playing music as long as I can remember. I'd, I my my granddaddy Mud, my dad's dad, he he was a musician. He he just died a, about a month ago, six weeks ago. He uh, died of COVID, actually. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. Yeah, it's, it's all right, man. It sucks. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, he he was a musician there's always his house was full of instruments so being there as a child i think probably got that into me because whenever it would be with him with my dad at, at granddaddy's house i mean his house was just full of guitars and fiddles and dulcimers and mandolins and i mean amen he probably had one yeah a lot of a lot of them were like old old like uh like silver tones like you'd like in the 50s or 60s you'd you'd order them from a sears catalog and they'd man i got like three or four of them sitting right over here them old like stenciled on tops or all that stuff yeah They're like made out of plywood yeah the pick guards like screwed on the top <laughs> yeah they're all they were all they're all customizable you'd have a, a catalog and you could like check off which features you want on it and some person at like a Sears store somewhere, I guess would like screw on that pick guard and like put in the whatever color tuning pegs you'd ordered. And then they'd put it yeah. in the mail to you or you pick it up at a Sears store. So he had a few of those, but he had, he had a lot of nice instruments also. Um, and he mainly, especially in his older age, when he couldn't play so much, he played the harmonica. So whenever he always had a harmonica in his pocket in his, in his front shirt pocket and if anybody ever asked or hell if, even if they didn't ask he'd pull it out and, and play so I, that's probably where it started because he's he he would always play old time like old time american or kentucky music you know he'd sit on and play like Oh, Susanna, or you are my sunshine, or like something like that. Just, just those like old, old timey, oh brother, where art thou yeah. songs that, that have been around forever that really inform our genre of music. Yeah. Um, you listed off all those instruments, and so now it reminded me. Um, I saw one guitar on your Instagram you were playing that I got a question about. It's either a plain top J45 or it's a J50. It's a J50, yeah. I don't have it here right now because it's getting uh, my buddy who's a guitar builder is uh, he's fixing the bridge. The bridge was lifting off. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a 1962 J50. Yeah, it's a badass guitar. I like those the J50s. I. Uh... It's funny. It's got the adjustable bridge on it, so it's got the little screws in the bridge where you can raise or lower the action. Yeah. Um, how long you had that for? I've had that one only about two years, actually. Yeah, I think like I've always, I don't know, I'd love to own a J50 someday. I just like, I like that it's a J45, but it looks cooler to me. I like playing top guitar personally. Yeah, I, I love it, man. It's a good guitar. They're just. Uh... They're expensive to get to get the old ones. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, what do you have on the go right now? As far as like, have you been writing? You said you've started to write more. 
do you plan on putting out more music at some point yeah i'm recording an ep right now we just did uh, uh a few days ago on uh saturday we recorded four songs at bedrock they're not done yet but we recorded um most of them i gotta go back over and redo some vocals and we're gonna get some uh put some fiddle on it but sometime probably this summer i reckon or maybe maybe the early fall i'll be putting out an ep it might be five songs right now i've got four we might do one more but that's cool um i look forward to that when you're i don't know places i listen to music the most probably like driving but when you're listening to tunes what are some of your biggest influences like from the past and what are some of your biggest influences who are contemporary well from the past there's so much there because i listen to a lot of different kinds of music and there's even within what you would call country music there's so many different genres that i grew up listening to and that i draw from and that are in my tradition through my family and the part of the world where i come from so everything from like traditional mountain music of appalachia to leonard skinner and you know the ones that everybody says you know, the, oh, yeah. the johnny cash the johnny cash is in the haggers and who you know all those people that my dad always had on the radio or the stereo and we're just doing chores around the house or whatever that's what i grew up listening to and then in terms of contemporary artists i mean been listening to a lot of lately i've been listening to a lot of jason isbell and turnpike troubadours things like that i, I really I, I really enjoy melodic music have you heard uh you listen to kyle nix a little bit he's a fiddle player from turnpike which i've just recently learned but that whole record the kyle nix record that came out a little while ago was like all of turnpike without evan felker it's just kyle nix saying so i think that's pretty cool like as a big turnpike fan yeah i haven't dived into that yet but i'm i'm gonna i saw, yeah. I saw that evan felker surfaced recently yeah i saw that video he sounded great too yeah uh just like them and like i don't know i listen to so much stuff like last year like over the summer i was listening to a lot of luke bell he's i, I, I love his music i hope he's doing all right too yeah man he's another one for sure like i have a lot of friends who who i listen to just like being at like being out here in Southern California playing country music for, you know, the last five, 10 years, like, uh, like my friends here locally and people like Jamie Wyatt and Nikki Lane, who used to run around here and now they, they're doing well for themselves. Uh, yeah. So I, the people I already said, plus, plus people I know, I listen to a lot of the music of people who, who I know and like, and, and it all, it all meshes together in there somewhere. Hell yeah, man. Nikki Land's great too. I saw her play in Montana last year, I guess not last summer, but 2019, um, at a big festival in Montana. She was fucking awesome. Um, she's a badass man I met her um, it's probably been five years at Bandit Town she was playing up there and I was hanging out at it camping but uh, anyway uh, Matt Matt who played the the steel on my on my record he, he's in her band they're, I think they're recording a new record for her right now actually do you do you get out and see a lot of shows yourself like in a normal in a normal world, I guess. In normal world, yeah, I do. I uh, that's where you could find me on a lot of nights, whether it's yeah. a weekend or a Tuesday. What are some of your highlights? What's some looking back, like some of those pinch me shows or real big ones? That I think the last like 
pinch me show was I went to Desert Trip in 2016. And uh, so night, it was two nights. Night one was Neil Young and Bob Dylan. Sorry, I misspoke actually. Night, it was three nights. Night one was Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones. Oh man, holy night, fuck. Yeah, yeah. So that was amazing. Yeah. Night two was Neil Young and Paul McCartney. Man. And then night three, <laughs> night three was The Who and Roger Waters. Holy shit, that is stacked. Yeah, it was, it was, you said a pinch me moment and being there was just like, I can't believe that I'm seeing all these people in one place. And my buddy Eric and I went there together uh, with uh, a friend of mine named Paige, who I was dating at the time. And Eric and I bought the cheapest tickets we could get, which were like, $450 each and they got you within probably like a quarter mile of the stage, you know? Yeah. But, um, but Paige, she works for, um, she's the assistant of Henry Diltz. I don't know if you know him. He's a photographer. No, he's a, he's an eminent music photographer. He, he, you'll look him up and you'll, you'll see he, he shot like, half of the album covers you know from like neil young to like crosby and stills and nash and oh i see that i think i saw a whole documentary about him like that crosby stills nash record like they took that picture and then they came back to redo him because they didn't like him and the host was torn down or something like that i think it's that photographer that was probably him so yeah. he was there he was there a desert trip to shoot neil young and he hooked us up. We bought the cheap tickets and then he hooked us up with uh, all the wristbands to get basically everywhere. So we en we ended up right up at the front, like 20 feet from the front of the stage. I'm looking up at Mick Jagger, like doing his thing. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> That's <laughs> fucking amazing. awesome. Yeah. And so we were there for three days and three nights. And it was a really, really incredible experience to seeing all of those you know, living legends of music there doing their thing. And it, it was, it was all amazing. And uh, I remember when I left, I had to work, it was Friday, Saturday and Sunday nights. And it was out in, uh, in India at the Coachella grounds. And I had to work Monday morning. So I stayed for like the first, probably like the first five songs of Roger Waters. And then I had to drive back to LA to get up in the morning and go to work. So I was, and there, and there was a, there was a big, uh, a blood moon, like a super moon that night. It was a full moon. Yeah. So I was, I was walking out of the festival grounds with, uh, dark side of the moon, like wafting over the valley. And, and I'm like staring at this harvest moon, walking back to my truck to drive back to LA. And I had this like little tear in my eye, like, I'm never going to experience this again, you know? <laughs> Holy fuck. That's so cool, man. I'd love to, I'd love to go see a show out there in the desert. Like I've, I've been out, out there, but just haven't traveled. Never, never been to one of those festivals. That'd be fucking sweet. Especially with a lineup like that. That's, that might be the best lineup I've ever heard. Honestly. I don't think it'll ever happen again like that. Yeah, that's. I, I think it's just going to be one of those shows where like, people talk about it years from now and they're like yeah man i, I was there you know <laughs> yeah i i saw mccartney a couple times he still fucking kills it like after all these years he him and i think him and neil young were definitely my favorites of the of the festival paul mccartney's a really incredible performer he's just him him and neil young both are just so sincere and like they mean everything that they're that they're saying, you know. Yeah. Man, oh man. What are some of the? Are you have any highlights as far as acts you've like shared the stage with, or played with, or done little runs with? Uh. Well. When I was all right, I'm gonna take this back. When I was 
younger. This is probably 15 years ago. I played uh, played with Charlie Leuven once of the Leuven brothers. That's fucking badass, yeah. And that's that's probably my one thing. I haven't like I've never like been out on tour with you know Charlie Daniels or something, <laughs> whatever it is. I'm... Yeah. But the Leuven one was cool. He was uh he was I think it was a New Year's Eve, and I was at home in Kentucky and he was playing a show somewhere in New Year's Eve in Lexington or Louisville maybe and my dad was old friends with a guy who was playing guitar in his band who was playing a Telecaster in his band and he somehow got them after their show to come hang out at our house and so we had we set up a little PA out on the back patio and just had a little a little jam and I got the same with Charlie. Man, oh man, that's that's fucking cool. <laughs> hmm. Um, I got a couple less intelligent and less serious questions here. Just some stuff I'm interested in. I like finding out about people. Um, what's your favorite? What's your favorite bar, like dive bar, or honky tonk, or something to go out to? Ah, uh, well. Do you mean locally or anywhere? Uh, both. There's there's a place. All right. Well, locally, locally, uh, when things are open, I would say the Echo, the Echo, the Echoplex here in Echo Park, or uh, the Bootleg Theater, or Crawford's, or uh, Little Joy. There's a bar right down the street that I live on called Little Joy. They've got a cool table and band sometime uh there's also a place out in chatsworth california about 25 minutes from here called the cowboy palace saloon which is a place that can really get you into trouble they call it the what do they call it they call it the last like the last real honky tonk or something it's and it is it lives up to its name it's this it's in like horse country out on the the western edge of the valley of the San Fernando Valley where it's all just like ranches around there and yeah you know somebody might ride up on a horse and it's just line dancing and country bands and trouble uh so I love that place there's a place up in North Fort California called the Buckhorn Saloon which uh has a very dear place in my heart it's just one of those smoky little divey honky tonks in the middle of nowhere where you never really know what's going to happen. It's just, it's just like people don't realize that most of California is pretty rural and pretty redneck. Like there's yeah. most of California is just like small towns. Like you would find back home where there's like one bar in town and that's where everybody hangs out and, you never know when there's going to be fucking gunfight in the parking lot or what, you know? <laughs> yeah. What about uh, places out east? You get you get back, like, in the home kind of country very often? Well, a lot has changed where I'm from since I, since I moved away from there. A lot of the bars that I used to go to are not there anymore, but when I go home, uh, there's a place in downtown Lexington I like to play at called Henry Clay's Public House. Um, also, the Burl is fairly new, but it's a really, a really great place to play and a great place to hang out. Uh, and then, I mean, in, in Nashville, I, I really like D's these country cocktail hounds that's that's my go-to in nashville hmm. see i've heard all those names for the most part like lots of places you bring up i've heard of because seems like there's always all of the musicians i listen to playing in these places but and you know what, what i forgot to mention but i should have said first for california is pappy and harriet's never heard of that one. Oh well that's uh i mean that's the place to go it's down it's um it's in Pioneertown. All right. It's out. 
Alpi, like uh, uh, Yucca Valley, like Indio, Palm Springs area. Pretty sure. Actually, I've for sure been there. I've definitely been a pioneer town. Went there with my grandpa like seven or eight years ago and I was like... If you went to Pioneer Town, you probably went to Pappy and Harriet's. Describe me Pioneer Town. I think I got it right. But is it like an old West movie sets kind of thing? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it actually was a movie set, but that's what it is. It's a little old West town with like a little post office and a general store and there's a little uh, like a motel there. And Pappy and Harriet's is the bar and restaurant and music venue there. And they have a they have an indoor stage, which I don't know, probably fits a couple hundred people, maybe like 200 people in there. And then they have an outdoor stage that probably fits about a thousand people. And it's it's a great place to hang out. It's just out in the desert. You can do whatever you want. It's a great place to play. They uh, they really take care of the bands well. I mean, I'm a I'm small time, but the few times I've played out there, they'll there's there's a little cabin out back. They'll they'll put you up in the cabin overnight. So you go down and play and they'll give you dinner and feed you and water you and you play your set. And then they give you, there's a little like one bedroom house out behind the bar that they'll let you sleep in overnight. And then you take off the next morning. It's a, Oh man, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. I, I've definitely been there. I was probably just a little too young to appreciate it. Like I might today. But yeah, I've I've been out there. When you bring it up, if it's if it's out Yucca Valley, Palm Springs area, definitely went to an old, like fake old West town out there. That 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 would have been it, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um. I just had something to say here. I just lost it. Where are you from, man? I'm from. I'm from Alberta. I thought I heard that in. The, I thought I heard that in there. Yeah, I'm from Alberta. Um town called Edmonton or a city called Edmonton I'm from around that area but yeah it's mostly just cold up here and dark man I fucking just I just wish I could move down there yeah I actually have a lot of Canadian friends my girlfriend is from Toronto all right and uh I got a couple a couple good friends here one of them's from Saskatoon and the other one is from somewhere I don't know. There's a lot of good music coming out of Saskatoon, by the way. Oh fuck yeah! Like Saskatchewan's full of them right now. You ever hear? I, I can't even name everybody, but there's lots of them. Like I saw this band called the Deep Dark Woods. At the they were touring there at the Bootleg Theater here in LA a few years ago. I saw them and looked them up, and they were from Saskatchewan. Yeah, there's lots. Obviously, there's guys like Coulter Wall is probably the most successful guy to come out of there, but. It's a really good folk duo, kind of like, it's like old 70s folk. They're called Casey and Clayton. don't know if you ever heard of them, but they're... I think, I think I've seen them floating around somewhere. Yeah. On, on the they're pretty fucking good. I don't know, you got like, there's a band called the Sheepdogs, which is like 70s rock, but they're just like a newer band. They're really solid. If you like, I don't know, like old southern rock from the 70s, they do it well. Um, Yeah. Have you ever been up here? Ever been in Canada? I have been to Canada when I was younger. I've been to far eastern Canada. I think it would would have been Nova Scotia. I think it was on the ocean. It was on the the Atlantic Ocean. Um, we're on an island. Can't can't remember what it's called. Grand Manan Island, maybe. No, it doesn't ring a bell. It was very very northeastern. Like it smelled of like cod fishing <laughs> yeah i never been i've never been east of saskatchewan only only out west i've been to way more of the states than i've been to like my own country like never bothered heading east just head south it's like uh like that stan rogers song what's the idiot you know that you know stan rogers yeah the song is like talking about moving from the a job in the fishery on the east coast going out west to work in an oil field or something yeah i know that one he's got a couple his voice he's got a big voice that guy real what's that i said i've listened to a lot of him that's really i love that that style of traditional-ish heartfelt folk music from wherever it happens to be from whether it's from a holler in kentucky or from stan rogers in canada it's all it's all the same tradition 
Yeah, man, it's everything's so like highly regional. Like people, I don't know. I think today's kind of music cultures put such a label on what pe like certain people will say like everything pop country is all shit. Just fair. I can I can kind of get on board with that lots of the time, but then they'll basically label everything that's honky tonk music as what's real country, and then everything else. There's all these subgenres. They always have to put a word in front of the country, alt country or this country or that country. But I don't know. Everything's so regional. It's all country music, but it depends on where you're from, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Um, how about another fucking totally useless question? I'm just interested every time I talk to somebody. What do you? What's your drink of choice? Well. Right now I'm drinking a scotch, which is not my usual drink choice. What kind of scotch? It's uh, uh I think it's it's a it's a it's a I think it's a Highland Scotch. It's very peaty, tastes like burnt earth. Uh, I think it's uh Lafrag. Yeah, I, I have a bottle of Lafrag sitting around right now and i i've had it for about a year and a half and i can't drink it it just tastes like liquid smoke i like it man it's like the it's like the strong cheese of whiskey <laughs> yeah uh but i'm i'm usually a, a bourbon drinker being being from the commonwealth of kentucky yeah how what motivated you to to leave kentucky and how old were you when you left I left when I was 18, 17, 18. I, I went to school in Pennsylvania. Um, and then after that, I came home for a little while and then I took off to, to, to California. Uh, what did you go to school for? For theater, actually. So I guess that, that makes sense. It makes sense. You know, I love, uh, I've always liked performing and I played soccer in high school and I, quit the soccer <laughs> my dad told me that i'd always regret this uh, i quit the soccer team my senior year to do plays with the theater club and uh i don't regret it i mean i it would have been fun to play that last year of soccer but um that got me into a a track that was something that i wanted to do you know performing i mean i'm not i have no interest in being an actor now um but it got me going in in that direction which which i appreciate looking back so after um after school i just took off here man i i moved here on a motorcycle i rode here from kentucky to california on a on a sportster on an old harley and then i flew back home and drove a car out here with my dad with all my stuff and uh been here ever since it's been 10 years this year fuck yeah not too bad um it seems like i don't know what it is i guess i guess it's just it is what it is but fucking every time i listen to an artist or read about an artist i'm listening to all of you come from Kentucky or West Virginia or somewhere in that region. I guess that's, it makes sense. It just is what it is. That's, can... where, that's where a lot of mu the music of this country comes from. Yeah. Um, how have, has anybody you know or any family or friends been affected by the flooding? Yeah. Um, not my, nobody in my immediate family uh, I mean, the the creek out back of my dad's house flooded, but that's nothing unusual, and he lives up on a hill, so it's not, it, his house would never be in danger. Uh, but out, I used to spend a lot of time as a kid out, as I said, around Irvine and Ravenna and Beattyville area. So that's really the exact area that's been hit hard this past week. So some old friends and acquaintances sort of people I used to know, but I still 
care about have been affected there. So I've been that's been on my mind a lot this week. Yeah, it's it's uh pretty fucking crazy from the photos and the videos I've seen. It kind of blows my mind how little press it's getting from actual media outlets. It's a real disaster, but it's just it's just tiny little towns that nobody knows about and I guess nobody really cares about unless they're from the area and they know people because it's I mean, it's tiny towns like places where like 500 people live or less you know yeah and they're just all situated right there along the Kentucky River and it every now and then get a lot of rain and it jumps its banks and you know that's the old saying that I hope the creek don't rise you know and it does occasionally and those those towns are right there on the river and it's just there's there's nowhere to go people have said they just have to up and leave everything behind and it's destroyed yeah it's fucking tragic it's good to see i don't know i think it's good at least like i've heard about it and i've been able to like donate a small amount um just because the musicians that come out of there they're doing a very good job the best job of anybody um in spreading the awareness and getting people to help out um music community's fucking strong absolutely um what was the weather like did you get it did you get it bad um in that little deep freeze or did it even make it out that far west what deep freeze? I don't know. Like half of America was under snow there last month. It's, it was warmer up here than it was down there. Not here. It, I mean, it's been chilly and rainy here, but it doesn't snow. It doesn't snow where I live. Yeah. In California. Um, my my parents got it. I mean, in Kentucky, where I'm from, we've had a couple of pretty bad ice storms the last couple of months, which shuts everything down i mean there'll be a quarter inch or a half inch of solid ice just covering everything and you know people lose electricity for a week and you can't go anywhere for a week and but i mean that sucks i've been through those growing up but i don't i don't get that here we get we get fires and earthquakes yeah fair enough seems like seems like there's a shit ton of fires down there not right now, but the, the last couple of years, murderous, and it's it's the it's the people who live in or near the mountains here in the because most most of California is mountains or or farmland and all the or forest and all the forested mountainous areas. These fires spring up and just can take off with like little no warning. Like there's that one a couple of years ago that destroyed that the town of paradise california and i mean just destroyed the town there's nothing there and they they can pop up in the middle of nowhere and the terrain is impossible the fire departments can't get in there because they're they're steep mountains we got big mountains out here and they'll just you got the santa Ana winds blowing you got like 80 100 mile an hour winds blowing and the fire can travel 10 20 miles in a couple hours and all of a sudden it's thousands and thousands of acres and yeah there's not a lot of roads to get out of those areas. Yeah, the fucking everything. It seems like there's a lot more weather events happening in the past few years that things are getting wild. Lots it seems like there's more hurricanes and more fires and more freak snowstorms and places that never used to get them and it's crazy. When you're when you are um on the road or playing shows in a typical year um do you like what's your work balance with music do you do a lot of tours and like what's the length of what a typical run might be that kind of thing well the last few years i haven't been able to do a real long tour because i've i've been working full-time because i have to eat (laughs) yeah uh we used to do like a week here and there, like do like five, six days. Um, and ironically this past year would have been the perfect time for me to do it because I've been either freelancing or working from home. 
but uh, because of the reasons that I'm working from home, you can't play music anywhere. So, you think that maybe you'll be able to continue working from home when things when COVID goes away? Maybe. I mean, it's possible. If I could work from the road, then I would definitely do it. I would love to get out and get through the southeast and some of the Midwest. I'd love to do like a Kentucky, Tennessee, Texas sort of thing. That that would be fantastic. Uh, but I don't I don't know what the future holds right now. Okay, sera sera. Yeah, whatever will be will be. Um man, I I can't think of any other big important questions to ask you? Um, let me see here. I feel like I'm missing some standard thing that's a real good thing to ask a guy that's important, but I don't think so. I think I got. Am I supposed to play something for you? I mean, that'd be great if you would. So it's your call. Yeah, I, I could play you one of the songs in the EPM recording right now. Oh, that'd be sweet, yeah. I'd love that. This one, uh, this song's called Living and Dying. When did, when did you write this one? I wrote this one about a year ago. Right on. solo in another chorus in there but I'm not going to do that all 
Well, it's all good. That was fucking awesome. It's a good tune, man. I like that one. Thank you. What's the what's the instrumentation look like on on the stuff that you're recording for that EP? Uh, we're doing. It's gonna be a little simpler, probably. It's gonna be acoustic guitar and bass and drums and fiddle, and then I might throw down a little electric guitar, and we might put a little pedal steel on it. But I'm not. I'm not sure yet. Right on. Fuck, I can't wait to hear that now. That's a good tune. I like that one. Thank you. Big time. I, I think it'll be all right. Hell yeah. Fucking rights. Well, that was awesome. And uh, I don't really have anything else big and important to ask of you. So um, you want to do your pitch, your little spiel. I don't know if you have anything to say. I don't have a pitch. I'm just trying not to looking to sell anything or anything like that, eh? I mean, I got koozies and t-shirts and CDs. But uh no, nah, man, for the most part if if anybody's listening to this and they want to buy something, just go and donate a little money to the Foundation for Appalachian Kentucky to try to help people out right now. But really, I'm just trying to make some trying to make music. Hopefully, hopefully people will listen to it. Yeah, well, I I figure Figure a lot more people listen to it after you just play me that song. I don't know. I really like that. That one stuck with me. I like that tune, man. That's good. All right. Well, I really appreciate you giving me your time here. And I'm going to go ahead and finish this off. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. Hell nice yeah. To meet you. Good to meet you. Take it easy. I'll, I'll look, forward to, look forward to that new EP and some new songs for sure. Thank you. I'll, I'll send it to you. Definitely. Hell yeah, man. Take care. All right. Talk to you later, Will. Yes, sir. In the dying light of evening Sometimes when I'm alone There's a lonesome broken melody Comes drifting through my mind Can't remember where I heard it I don't know where it came from But it reminds me of my home It reminds me of the hills And it's high And it's lonesome Like a whippoorwill Crying in the night Oh, it's high And it's lonesome It's the only song That I have ever known
Kentucky hills It comes drifting down the holler Like a whisper in the dark And it's high it's long so Like a whippoorwill crying in the night Oh, it's high it's long so It's the only song that I have ever known It's the only song that I have